Hello guys, welcome to Sport and Life. Now I've known, or you will know from listening to a few of the episodes that I was recently comparing, emceeing at the Cheltenham Wellbeing Festival, the inaugural event. And that's going to be a quick chat today with one of the, the guests, the experts who was on a panel there of Optimal Health at the Queen's Hotel in the centre of uh, Cheltenham a couple of weeks ago. And we're going to probably do a more fleshed out one in the future, but just uh, recording this now at Dalesford Organic, beautiful, uh, pristine health spa, come organic cafe in the middle of the Cotswolds near the village of Kingham, near Morton on the Marsh, Stowe, that kind of way, not too far from, from Oxford and the hubbub of uh, the excited city life, but a man who's escaped that, similar to me actually moving to Cheltenham, stopped here on my way home to Cheltenham, my wife and daughter are here as well uh, to have a bit of lunch, but it's James Golden, fitness uh, pro extraordinaire, former uh, consultant with the government on health and well-being as well, and uh, James, thank you for having me here today, we're in a beautiful wood-floored yoga studio with sunlight streaming in, we couldn't have uh, timed any better, I certainly feel well for, for being here. Thank you, Ed. A really nice introduction. And uh, yeah, welcome to Dalesford, where uh, this is my second home, if you like, apart from uh, moving to the Cotswolds with family and uh, spending as much time as I can with them. But this is where I spend my time from a working perspective now. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, on that note, moving out because I moved out from Twickenham. Uh, originally, I was from London, but we'd lived out of London before as a family. And my wife was keen to get back out to the Cotswolds. She loves, loves Cheltenham. But for you, have you found that significant, that escaping kind of, I suppose, the intensity of being in and around the M25, just the amount of people, is it, is it, has it felt an upsurge in, in your well-being? Oh, this has uh, changed our lives, so I'm going to sort of speak on behalf of my family in terms of just how different things are from being in a very congested place and fighting for space, and London is a very intense place, and I'm born and bred London, but uh, and I still love to go into London, but this was the right time for us to make a move. And, and, and certainly I wrote a, a blog recently on work-life balance and that's what it's done for me in the two years being here and getting that mm. sort of real uh, balance of family life and, 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 and work happiness. So, um, so yeah. I, haven't, I haven't looked back. I always thought I might be challenged here in the country, but <laughs> to be honest, uh, after two years, I'm very much settled. Yeah, we were just looking out the window a minute ago. They've gone out of view now, but there was actually some cows just dotted around on the fields to come up to the fence near about 20, 30 yards away. So it's very much a country vibe here. But it's interesting because you're never sure on this podcast, I call it sport and life, and it's all encompassing because my background's been a lot in sport, frustrated professional sports person, went into sports science and then sports journalism after university at Loughborough and now work as a broadcaster at Sky Sports. And you're never sure you want to keep the life part of it there as, as potentially people who aren't sports-oriented. But you're certainly one of those people, I think, similar to myself, that when professional sport didn't become an opportunity for you to realise, you wanted to carve a, a lifestyle around it or similar in, in that vein. Is, is that correct? I think that's absolutely spot on, actually. My, similar to yourself, very frustrated that you know, my, my dream was always to be a professional athlete. And uh, that dream is kind of bubbles burst when the moment goes, <laughs> when you realise it in your, in your teens and you're not quite as good as you think, thought you once was. What, what, what sport was it for you? I played, I, play, I mean, I, I loved every sport, but yeah. tennis and football were my main sports. And I also, um, I, I probably excelled more at cricket, oddly. That was probably really? the, where I was achieving the, probably the likelihood of moving forward in the sport. But, what, what, um, what, were you a batter, bowler? I, I opened a batting, actually, and then I did move into the middle order. Um, but I scored quite heavily at times, and I played for uh, county on and off when it was in my teens. But... Um, I think my passion was always with football and I yeah. think football was always the sport that like every childhood 
dream, my hero was Roberto Baggio, and I wanted to be Roberto Baggio. <laughs> so, but unfortunately, also yeah. unfortunately, I've, I've been fortunate enough, if you like, to carve a career out in in sport as a as the next best thing to work with athletes earlier on in my career, and then sort of moving to health and fitness. So, um, so it inspired me really to make some focus in in life. Mm. So, uh, sport is is very huge part of my life still, alongside in my family. It's what I enjoy. Um, but it makes me enjoy what I do for a living. So, as you say, I frustrated not quite making it as a professional sportsman, but the next best thing was to we, try and work out a career that I could uh, work alongside these guys and, and um, be, be t- close to my passion. Big, big sports, a big Baggio fan. And were you heartbroken when he, the penalty in 94 <laughs> in, the, in the World Cup when he went over the crossbar? Actually more 1990 as I wrote. Oh, that goal, yeah. You know, it's a shame the age now. But um, obviously Italia 1990 was my kind of first real emotional scored um, against England didn't he the third place playoff as well he did yeah but, but yeah, the third place was on him games <laughs> yeah we wanted the Forgive final we still, were still recovering from not making making the final as a, a sort of 11 year old boy then yeah but um, yeah he was, he was he was my without doubt my hero as a football player growing up and then you sort of move through um, life and having different role models but I always seem to be drawn to Italian players. I really? Was. The flair. Well, <laughs> well Serie A was the fashionable league when we were growing up, wasn't it, as well? It that was, was the big thing. Channel 4, it was the glitz, That's the glamour. Right. That's where the money was. You know, the yeah. Van Bastens, the Hullets, all those yeah. people were there. Gaza went there as well. That's right. Actually, a time, yeah, I remember when uh, watching Paul Gascoigne play for Lazio and the Italian football, I just it was just so engaging, so fantastic. Yeah. But, a few um, are going back now, aren't they? Lukaku's there now, and it's interesting how that evolution happens. I mean, in terms of making it as a professional yeah. sportsman, I wonder, I don't know if you ever feel like this, but as you, you know, as you get older in your career and you develop more self-confidence, like people say to me, how can you go to screen tests and be on TV and things like that? And I said, well, I don't think I always could, but as you got older, you sort of developed areas of what you thought your skill was and almost backed yourself and threw yourself into things. But there's a moment in your teen years where I feel like maybe... I'm not sure I could have ever played at elite level, but maybe I could have got to League Two or something as a footballer, but didn't have perhaps the self-belief and confidence at that point. Do you think that, did you feel like sometimes you develop a little bit later and your confidence comes later as well as, as, well as maybe your, your skill? Yeah, I think it, initially everyone has that kind of, that talent ingrained, mm. but then it's being able to really, I guess, that talent to flourish mindset and to, to actually the physical demands of, of, of playing sport. Yeah. And to really make, sort of the cutting edge there is a there is a there is a big big gap I guess between just having the talent and then being able to go to that next level and and become the best of the best if you like at the sort of the top level so yeah I mean I, there's lots of lads that I grew up with and on the state where I grew up with and all we, all we did was kick around the football what, what part of London was that I grew up well I grew up mostly just on the outside of originally from West London yeah and then we actually moved to the suburbs so we were in Watford Ah, okay. So, um, sort of, that was... It's like a middle ground, Watford, isn't it, between yeah, it London, is. not quite London, London, yeah. London overspill, so we, my family moved out from London when I was young, and then subsequently Watford was where I sort of grew up. Watford then, fan? No, Queen's Park Rangers, Queen's West Park, London. Okay, that's where, yeah. In, yeah. Unfortunately, it's installed into all of the family members, all of the family here is Queen's Park Rangers, so... <laughs> the hoops. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, Let's they were go. good in their 90s as well. They were. We had a time we were top London club, 94, 95. Yeah. Uh, I was a very enthusiastic teenage Queen's Park Rangers fan. I had season tickets and so did a lot of our family. We still do try and go, but uh, I do get there from time to time. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm a, I've become, a, I've just had a bit of a fair weather supporter. <laughs> I tend to go <laughs> yeah, where yeah, we're fourth gr- at the moment. Great so players are like Ferdinand and yeah. Impey and Sinton. 
Fantastic times at Queen's Park Rangers and also the atmosphere in the stadium. It's one of those old-fashioned, traditional 18,000 and when the atmosphere is... is when it's when there's a game on, the atmosphere's yeah. turned up. It's it's absolutely rocking. So I do love. Still very close to my heart, Queens Park Rangers. But, yeah, uh, Loftus Road used to be a great um, ground for BBC Sports reports because it was literally around the corner from White City before they closed that. That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. So um, no, I'm hoping to get there soon. Actually, I haven't been to, to see the Rangers for a while. So, uh, but uh, I am uh, still following them week after week and just. Fingers crossed we get back yeah. to the Premier League. But, One of those big clubs in the Championship trying to get back up. You, but you had the, the dream opportunity, I suppose, of of working at the club, didn't you, as a, as a trainer? What was, what was that experience like? Absolute dream for me because I've obviously grown up loving football and grown up as Queen's Park Rangers my club and I have done some work as a, as, as a subcontractor to Queen's Park Rangers where I've actually looked after certain players out, out of the, the regular season, so, which was a dream for me really because um, loving sport and knowing, being able to apply my knowledge and help a a yeah. club that's uh, very close to my heart was, was great. Was it mainly strength yeah. and conditioning, like mu- muscle weights work, or was it yes, CV stuff it, too? A lot, of, a lot of it was remedial and rehab, so where a lot of players can reach points in their careers where contracts are dependent on whether they are fully fit, whether they're to perform at the level that is needed to be. There can be a time during the pre-season where there can be decisions made, and I was uh, brought in to actually support certain players, whether we can actually bring their fitness to a level to get another season or another two seasons or actually to get mm. them to a point where they could be offered no contract. So, uh, I, yeah, I'd spent a, a, a couple of years doing this with, with Queen's Park Rangers. So that was great. It was great fun. Met a lot of good people there and got a bit of an insight into how <laughs> football clubs and how things are well, you run. Know, you know what? Mate, it fascinates me as well because I'm a huge football fan and, and yeah. wanted to be a footballer. But then you, you look at it and you study as a sports journalist, you study these eras of, like, say, the Tour de France was, was, was kind of riddled with drugs in the 1990s. But because they were trying to get those marginal gains, they were pushing it. The sports science was at the forefront of what is a relatively minority sports cycling compared mm. to football. Football. And yet football in the 90s was still drinking beer three times a week and all this kind of... You, hear the, you, you, you meet the guys now with the pundits who played in that era and they're like, yeah, we're still going out and we'd perhaps sit in a cafe and put porcelain cups on the table, maybe beer in the cups, not coffee and stuff like that. And you think it's, it's, it's mad that there's so much finance in it and yet it still seems so kind of um, old school in its, its approach. You know, the classic blokes, you know, go and have a, a few pints after you've, you've run around, no sort of recovery and recuperation. But what did you find? Had it shifted by the time that you'd worked in it, that the, the, the awareness of how important it was to condition the body and look after it? Oh, totally. I mean, sports science um, has revolutionised how the clubs, the athletes look after themselves. And there is a much more expectation on these guys to, to maintain a, 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 an exceptional level of fitness. And it's about being the best version of you. But if you're going to be the best player on the pitch, you've got to put in those miles to, to make sure you're there. So the actual detail that goes into um, managing the, each individual. So everyone is very much treated bespoke. Mm. No one's the same. And we've looked at, you know, we've, we've, we've gone through a process of, of testing to, to establish individual recovery times, um, length of time training, and just where they're going to peak, etc. So you, you, you're always trying to find out about that individual to, to understand them, to be, to make them better people or to better mm. players on the pitch, we're talking about athletes. But this also interestingly filters down to general public now. So I, I work with a lot of people that are look, just essentially want to be better at what they, who they are and what they do. So we use a lot of this testing that we carry out in sports now yeah. to carry out with, with general with general public. Well, you, so. do, you do swab tests, DNA testing, don't you, with, yeah. with your clients? Yeah, we use, we use a, uh, a product called DNA Fit and the details that you get from that is 
is very useful. So for me as a, a, a coach or a fitness professional that can help people make a change um, to themselves, to be better versions of themselves, to eat in a way that's in line or, or to, to give them guidance with what to eat in line with their genetics and their personal yeah. relationship with whether it be carbohydrates or saturated fats or intolerances to um, lactose or gluten or just establishing the basics of their antioxidants and actually ensuring that they've got the right level of antioxidants to make their body really efficient. Mm. So the detail and the science, without overcomplicating things, we can get a really good understanding of a person with something simple like a saliva swab. Because intolerances are, are one that's it's a lot more delicate than, say, allergies, because allergies you pretty much know you have a, a sort of um, revulsion to something, don't you, that, that dramatically alters your state. But I suppose intolerances are, can be more subtle and pervasive, and people can sometimes be attracted to eat things that they're actually intolerant to. Totally. So our body's a system, and if we can... If we want to be the best, what goes into that system that's going to make us better people? It's all better versions of us performing mm. uh, just the basics in life. But generally, we're all going to have different relationships with what we put in our body. And whether that be certain foods or you know certain drinks or we're just missing out on certain things that our body needs, it's going to affect us and it's going to, it's going to disrupt us and potentially make our performance, from a basic perspective, not as efficient. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating that. And one thing that I've been looking into now, which has kind of filled me with shock and dread, is Matthew Walker, the University of Berkeley, the sleep expert. And he talks about everyone pretty much, I think it's 0. point something percent of the population may be able to get away with less than seven hours, but predominantly we need seven hours sleep. And, you know, I've always been a kind of, you know, there's prevailing thing, sleep when you die and you're doing shift work at Sky and going to bed at 11 and up at three and things like that. And you're like, well, you know, now, now I'm thinking, oh, I have to do myself long-term damage in terms of uh, dementia. And also he says about physical training, like I've always never been a sort of uh, a prodigious trainer, but always liked exercising. But him saying it's not actually worthwhile to a certain extent unless you're getting the, the adequate rest. Do you think... Is that something that everyday people, and even athletes as well, I know boxing strength and conditioning coaches mm. always say they look at the sleep hygiene of their, of their boxers before they start making changes. How important is, is yeah. that rest element to it in the modern, in the modern world? Oh, I, I think you almost got to look at any, any sort of plan that's going to service someone's requirements and look at the whole lifestyle. Mm. You know, and, and just getting those basics right, sufficient amount of sleep, sufficient amount of water, and just making sure that the body's fueled properly at the right times, the training frequency how intense, what, you know, we've got to look at all of that and, 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 and work it out to establish what's going to be the best process to make this person uh, as efficient as possible. And sleep is a huge factor in, in mm. performing, whether it be physical or whether it would just be the basics through the day. We will become less efficient if we are lacking certain key components that are going to make up our, our, our system and, and run that system efficiently. Yeah, be it exercise, sleep or diet, sometimes you forget what it's like to feel good, I think, which can be the problem sometimes with, with people. And when you get people coming to see you, what's the difference? Because you are an elite level trainer now, so I suppose when people come and seek you out, they're motivated, they want to change their life. But did you work with elements of the public, perhaps in different gyms where they weren't as motivated? And how did you incorporate that? Because I presume elite athletes were disciplined, driven to become elite athletes. Did you find that sometimes it's finding that motivational approach to... To, to get clients to uptake exercise health? Because a lot of people know what the answers are, don't they? They don't necessarily are able to adopt those, those changes. Yes, yeah, I mean, what I've found in 20 years in health and fitness that everybody's different, everyone's lifestyle's different, everybody's interests are different. I think the most important thing is to try and establish and align, whether it be their activities or just trying to align it with their lifestyle and their interests, because you do find that 
a lot of sort of solutions that they've tried to put in place have may have failed. I always say to people that if you don't enjoy going to the gym, then don't go. We've got mm. to find a you know an alternative that might actually service your activity um, requirements a bit more in line with what your interests are. Mm. So, Get a kettlebell at home in your living room or something. It's yeah. different. There's always yeah. a way. There's so many different methods. There's so many different processes that we can apply ourselves to. But ultimately, it is just making it a, a, a sort of a, um, a, a way of life through creating a trend and understanding and getting a bit knowledgeable on what, what our body needs. But ultimately, um, we're all different. Uh, <laughs> I've always had the philosophy that one size never fits all. Yeah. And there isn't one training program or one nutrition plan that we can just recreate and it works for everybody. So yeah. every person is different in that respect and everyone has different interests. And I always try and work, work the person out in terms of how are we going to keep them engaged What's going to ensure that they they achieve through my advice and me giving them direction the the best results and the most in the, in the most efficient way? Now we're in, it's a wonderful venue here. You're, you're the preeminent trainer here at Dalesford Organic. I know they've got big plans to to expand that as well, and you've done very well. Do you think? Wrapping up now, because I know my wife and daughter, are, my daughter's here because she's off school, she's poorly, they're waiting in the, the canteen, so the cafe canteen makes it sound a bit, uh, a bit industrial. We better go back there in, in a second. Your wife's coming, you've got a fourth baby on that's the way right, as well, yeah. so I know you... Anytime, that's actually, valu- that's I'm va- about to meet my wife as well, and we're actually expecting baby any day. Yeah, so that's va- valuable time for you. for us, so that goes into that kind of work-life balance yes. um, remit, where <laughs> moving to the Cotswolds and setting up life here and being very settled has enabled yeah. us to expand family. Procreating, right? yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Multiplying like the uh, the spring lambs. Uh, so we'll get we'll get back in a second. But finally, we'll, and we'll elaborate on this next time we chat in a longer in depth chat about health and fitness. But what has it given you, sport and then health and fitness, in terms of parlaying into your everyday life attributes and character? Because that's what I'm always thinking about. What is this obsession for me with sport? How has that enhanced my life? And I just wonder whether it's given you um, skills of uh, of dedication and drive. Have you been able to connect those two? Or is she back in two seconds, don't we? We're all wrapping up. In the studio? We're wrapping up. Okay. Just a lady who's uh, getting James and I out of the yoga, the yoga studio. We'll just, uh, we'll crack on. But what, what do you think, what do you think this, your healthy lifestyle, your fitness drive has, has given you? Oh, my, I mean, my passion has, has always been, as I said, right at the start, sport and just being able to engineer a career through health and fitness and being kind of on the edge sometimes of sport where... Um, being able to get up on the Monday morning and feeling good about what I do mm. and just being able to help others. I've always been, as I've grown my, sort of my experience and my knowledge in this particular area of health and wellness, and I think I'm pretty competent in, in helping people and I'm inspired to help people. So my, my passion in life is about making a difference for people and in mm. being able to um, apply myself to make a difference to someone else's life. So that's where I get a major enjoyment and that's just come from sport, the, the origin of me moving through sort of into a, into a life in health and fitness. And, and, um, you learned the power of practice and repetition, didn't you, in sport, I guess, as a kid and then you translated that into your career. Yeah, that's it. I, I just think that um, you know, I think sport plays a huge part in, in people's lives and I think it can, it can do so much for people in terms of inspiring and just channeling mind and physical um, approach to, to, to being uh, healthier people so uh, I just just, uh, just admire anyone that uh, sort of s- applies himself or, or goes to a top level in sport and I've been fortunate enough to work with the top level but also work with people that really struggle and they mm. really do have 
challenges in life where they want to make some change, but they don't know how. So I've kind of, I guess I'm fortunate enough that I can, I've, I've, I've seen sort of two sides of the coin where you've got the top level that are much more motivated and maybe people that are not so. That Lack confidence as well. Caught, caught up in maybe whether it have the wheel of corporate life or just generally struggling with themselves um, physically and mentally. So there's a, you know, a, everyone's different. And I, and I like to think that I can add a bit of value there and to help them, help them change whatever they're looking to do. Well, you definitely can. I know you're a busy man, but you are the fitness pro on, on Instagram, aren't you? You're on, you're on other social yes, media yeah. platforms as well if people want to get... Could you put some good tips out there? It's, it's not six packs and, and gun flexing no. your pictures you put up, to be fair. Yeah, I think, I think social media, I have a love-hate relationship with it, I have to <laughs> say. Um, I think there's a lot of fitness experts who we call yeah. professionals whatever you want to call them uh, that do kind of you know, I think they're, they're very much it, it, this industry is very there's a lot of egos and a lot of sort of people do things their way and they think it's the mm. best way but I think ultimately um, I, I just feel that everyone's different and no one's everyone's going to have different triggers when it comes to inspiration so uh, but my Instagram I keep it very real there's a lot of family there's a lot of I keep it very different. It's not all about me, me, me. Um, so, but a lot of the clients that I do <laughs> do work with, as uh, yeah, obviously there's a there's a there's a lot of privacy that I, that I, I, I sure supply with that. But I but I, yeah, I try I, I, I try and keep myself real on Instagram and all the social media platforms. So I do. I do no, I found, it, I found it interesting some of the talk about the, the exercises. James, been a pleasure to chat. We'll get back to our, our wives now and uh, and, the, and the kids, but. Appreciate it. We'll catch up soon and do a longer chat, sure, as well. That'd be good. Perfect. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Very, very good. Enjoyed that. Good man. Thank you.